Series 5, Episode 9, Cold Blood. My name's PG Bell. And I'm Sarah Burrow. Thanks for joining us again. This is the second part of the Silurian 2 party from the middle of Series 5. We're gradually catching up on all of the commentaries that we missed at the time. Yep. We were reasonably happy with part one, weren't we, I think? Yeah. I don't think we were blown away, but... Uh, we were no, I think we decided it was a sort of content. average... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it did its job. Mm. Um, now, from memory, the second part lets it down a bit. Yeah. I think I, I'm far less happy with part two. And having just reminded ourselves of the ending... I'd completely forgotten that happened. Oh, the the overall series arc ending with the crack yeah. in time. Yes. Yeah. Well, they they always felt a little bit tacked. On, yeah, they, they always did. Didn't evolve naturally. No, and that, and that continues into series six. They still had this habit of, and I think we've mentioned it, but we mentioned it when we did the series six commentaries. They had this very nasty habit of just tacking on hints towards their story arc, like the the quick shots of the the pregnancy scan for Amy and. Yes. It, it yeah. didn't feature in the episode at if, all. It was almost as if they'd all been filmed separately and yeah. then just sort of distributed, distributed in post-production yeah. amongst the various episodes. And looking back on it, they evidently did it as much in this series as they did in series I, six. Yes, I think it was a habit started by Russell T. Davis yeah. and continued by Moffat. Um, and I, well, I think we've we've fetched it on more than yeah. one occasion and Swithin discusses it in his article on yeah, story arcs as well, doesn't he? But in terms of the actual, the main bulk of the story itself with the mm. Silurians and the human survivors and uh, Amy Roy and the Doctor, um, things take, um, a, well, a little bit of a left turn this episode, don't they? Yeah. We, we, we were talking in our last commentary about uh, the fact that it was quite traditional by the numbers and formulaic. Yeah. Um, this tries to get a little bit more political. Yeah, it, it's probably, there's quite a few issues, whether they, I can't remember whether they capitalise on them fully, but there's certainly mm. a lot of issues that come up. It still begins very, sort of, the cast are very separate still at the beginning of this episode, aren't they? We've got... Yeah, we've got of, three distinct story threads. And we've got we? sort of two or three people in each area, haven't we? Yeah. And we, this we start back with this one with Mira Sayal's character still with the Doctor, Rory yes. elsewhere, and, the, and yes. Amy elsewhere no, again. Um, so we've got Rory and the uh, and the human characters, or the bulk of the human characters, yeah. with... Ambrose and Tony. With, yes, with the Silurian hostage up in the church on the surface. Yeah. You've got Amy captive in the Silurian city. With Mo the father, yeah. With Mo the father, and the and they're obviously dealing with the Silurian scientists. And then you've got the, the doctor, doctor and Mary uh, Sale's um, character, whose name escaped mm, me right oh, now. Whose name? Her surname uh, is Chowdhury. Nasreen. Nasreen Chowdhury. That's it. Um, and they've just arrived at the city. So yeah. they're there separately. So yeah, three, the three, down, haven't they? three distinct story threads. So three different groups of characters and dynamics. Mm. It was working fairly well, I think, at the end yeah. of episode one. Shall we dive on in and see see how things continue? Yes, I think we should. Okay. If you're listening along at home, press play now. So we start with a, a previously a quick recap, and um, right back to the very beginning of the episode where Amy and Rory mm. see, see each other. Yeah, see from their across future the valley, cells. which seems a little odd because it was just stuck in there, wasn't mm. it? Almost as a as but an aside. Now remembering how the, this episode ends, I think that that's the link, isn't it? Because he puts mm. the engagement ring in the TARDIS console, yes, and that comes up at the end of this episode, doesn't it? When Rory's been taken, and the ring remains, and yeah, and the Doctor puts it away, it. doesn't he? But and, and something we didn't really talk about particularly in our commentary for part one. This, the the final act of the episode, you had the establishment of the fact that they need to exchange hostages. Yeah. The Doctor's uh, plan that he's going to exchange yeah. the Silurian... Um, the, you know, the Silurians think the humans are attacking. Yeah. The, the humans, humans think, think the, the Silurians, Silurians are attacking. Right. Well, which they sort of which work. They, There's yeah. a retaliation. They've each taken hostages. Now the um, Doctor has to try yeah. and negotiate a peace and an exchange. Doctor... Um, 
Matt Smith has this line of nobody's going to die today, which ultimately means somebody is going to die today. You might today. as well go and paint a target yeah, on, on half somebody. of these characters. Yeah. Um, I think we do already... Oh, we lose two, I think, don't we? I think, actually, I think one side loses one each, don't they? Because doesn't yes. the father die? Doesn't Tony, the father figure, die? No, I think he survives. No, the grandfather, The sorry. grandfather, I think, does. Does he? Because he's the one that's been sort of poisoned in the last episode. We we will get to this. Because I can't remember. I can't recall. Um, two, two things to talk about straight away. I mean, for whatever reason, and I, I, find, I found it strange at the time, I find it strange now, we suddenly get narration. Yeah. Over the opening suddenly... of the episode. It's odd because it wasn't present in part one at all. And we don't see it a lot, do we? No, it is used I in can't, places. I can't recall any other. But it was it's quite clunky. It, it's almost relating this episode in flashback. It's relating it as a piece of history. Yeah. Whereas part one was simply present tense. This is happening now. This is our story. Yeah. Um, there are an awful... I don't know. I find narration in film and television to be... A tricky thing to get right. I think unless unless it's an established, con- uh, you know, constant from the very beginning, the main one I can think of that as a, a narration is the Gossip Girl series, oh, yes. which from the very beginning, mm. uh, Kristen Bell who who voices Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. that's always the way. The other one I think of is Sex and the City. Um, um, the two series I really haven't seen, but they again have, but they do it from the very beginning and they always do it and uh, it fits. Desperate Housewives, I know, has yeah. Desperate Housewives does the same, mm. um, but if, again, it's all very. It's from the very beginning. There's an established reason why it's there. Yeah. So Sex and the City, it's her column that she's narrating. Um, Gossip Girl is is yeah. the the figure of Gossip Girl. Interesting. I was I was thinking about this on my way over this morning. Star Trek, all of the Star Trek series feature narration. But, Do they? Um, if you think Captain's Log, you you will have Captain Kirk, Captain Picard. You're bridging certain scenes. You will have them, and mm. at, particularly at the beginning of, of each episode, you will have, say, Captain's Log, Stardate, such and such and such and such. Uh, we so have arrived at planet, it. whatever. Oh, okay. and, and But you will cut back to them updating their Captain's Log quite often through the episode, bridging one scene and another mm. and moving the action on. But that's done in such a way that I, yeah, you barely even notice it as narration. Yeah. Because it's part of the action... Hmm. It's that's the thing. I think, again, there, it's justified. There is a reason yeah. for it. Being and if it's there. always there, I mean, I've given very girly examples, and viewers, listeners, if you can think of any other sort of more sci-fi, fantasy-based ones, mm. um, of it used well, I think the what the examples we've given, it, it, there's a reason why it's there, and it's always used. Yes. So it's a constant. You know, it's in the formula of every every episode. Um, Rid- Ridley Scott, of course, you know, famous movie director. I mean, mm. we were, you, you and I were discussing Prometheus just before we yeah. uh, uh, we started recording this. Um, has gone on as quite famously hates narration mm. as a device and doesn't think that it plays any should play any part in movies mm. because when he directed Blade Runner back in the day, the studio imposed a narration on the cinematic the original cinematic release oh, right. and had Harrison Ford deliver narration explaining and setting up mm. the world and the characters and the situation and for his director's cut it was the first thing to go really scott just got rid of it completely yeah and it's a long-held um piece of wisdom in writing of, of any sort you show don't tell yeah and i think that's particularly important with a visual medium like television or cinema yeah. You need to be showing us the action, showing us the story. Don't have someone simply talk about it mm. and tell us. Now, that's not to say that narration can't be done well. I mean, I think of movies like Amelie. I haven't um, seen it. But... That uses narration throughout. Mm. But again, it's established from the very beginning. And it's... Um, again, it's used quite sparingly. It's used mm. quite carefully. And it's used to... It's not used to... Show, it's not used to tell us things rather than show us. It's simply expanding on the things that we are already being shown. It's giving yeah. an, inner, an inner monologue to the action on screen. Thinking about it as well, we were also just discussing The Avengers, of course, directed by Joss Whedon. Thinking back on it, Joss Whedon has 
only a handful of episodes of both Buffy and Angel mm-hmm. in which he has narration. Oh, right. Now, there is a couple in the early Buffy where um, you have Angelus narrating. Right. Now, yes, again, so. it's to add to what you're already being shown. Right. Um, and again, he does it. there's a couple in in Angel as well. Thinking about it, Serenity, his movie of the Fireflies, yeah. Series, opens with narration it does but that's very quickly shown to be again it's justified it's shown yeah to be it's woven into the visual action yeah um and it's shown to be an actual a, a character within the story explaining something to to uh, yeah. to another character i think our summation is that we don't like the narration on this particular episode in Doctor it's, Who. it's clumsy <laughs> it, it, it is it, it is being used to tell us things yeah. rather than show us and doctor who has a has a, has a history of this particularly in the new series mm. I don't, i'm not sure that the classic series ever used on screen narration particularly but if you think of the end of the david tennant era the end mm. of time um that uses narration um, and they try and justify it by showing that it's uh, Timothy Dalton's Rassilon mm. um, addressing the Time Lords at the end of episode one. But again, it's quite clumsy. It's just telling mm. us things that are happening as opposed to actually showing it. Yeah. So we've now we've now talked over a good sort of ten minutes of this episode, now, haven't we? But we really have. But so I, I think it's important to establish this. Establish that we don't establish like our it. dislike of the narration very early on, and our like of it in various other things, but not in this one. Yeah. So we've just talked over them. Um, Torturing, torturing the doctor. doctor and now threatening but not eviscerating uh, the doctor interestingly no. perhaps the, the laser scan is phase one of, mm. of, of the examination and here we have um, the Silurians expanding on, on why their perspective of what's been going yeah. on so their, their perceived attack and yeah. their uh, retaliation. We, have, we haven't really talked we, we should have spoken about it in part one but the whole drilling operation mm. In in um, Inferno, the John Pertwee story that it's that it's basically referencing, they they have a specific aim mm. and a timeline, and their aim is to get to the centre of the Earth and tap it for power. Yeah. Um, we're not really told any why they're drilling a big hole no, in the don't. ground in the Welsh Valley. Oh, if we are, we it's well, not very memorable. They, sort, they sort of justify it by saying, "Well, there are patches of blue grass that are, contain minerals." That oh, haven't, yes, been, haven't been seen on the surface of the planet since whatever. Mm. But you'd think you'd just examine the soil. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily drill a hole 21 kilometres mm. into the earth. So here we, we've talked over the actual escape, but um, Amy and the and Mo have escaped their confinement in the Silurian city. Yes. And have now found what seems to be storage of sort of Silurian soldiers, don't they? Yes, or shop windows for the latest <laughs> Silurian fashions. Yes, latest Silurian fashions that are all the same. Yeah. Interestingly, all of the Silurian warriors in the story are female. Yes. Some, and it seems to be a matriarchal society, mm. uh, which was never the case in the classic in series. The classic. Uh, the, not that Silurians ever really had much of a gender um, in the no. classic series, but in terms of a voice, they were always male. And they, they never had clothes, they were just sort of naked lizard people. Nice. Mm. Uh, whereas in this one, they're all female and they're uh, all dressed. Yes, yeah. Well, it's the, the the scientist we see is male. But all of the warriors and all the people in power... Good, good. So it should be. ...are female, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure um, Olivia would agree. <laughs> I'm just wondering if the, you know, what the, the thinking behind that was. Not that it's wrong, necessarily. I, I think it's quite an interesting mm. take. And if you are going to bring a classic monster back... You do need to expand on them and do something a little bit different. Do something slightly different. And yeah. I think, and I think, having them as a matriarchal society is, to be frank, quite a good idea and yeah. quite a good twist. Of course, it is, it is then expanded to the next Silurian we see in this series, which we touched on in mm. our commentary on the Hungry Earth, is um, Madame Vastra. Of course, yes. she is a lesbian Silurian as well, but um, played by the same girl who plays. Who plays, who plays the warrior in this, the warrior in this one? One thing I wasn't sure about, sure about, and now that we've started exploring the Silurian city, the Silurian city I think looks absolutely magnificent. Yeah. And those visual effect shots we've had of it, because um, you never saw the outside of the city in the. I don't, at least I don't remember ever seeing the outside of the city in the classic series. Yeah. But yeah, you've got this great cavern, you've got the lava flows, mm. but you've also got these 
lush primordial bits of vegetation and the rock work for the corridors is fantastic it yeah. looks as if it's been sort of some sort of natural lava flow that they've simply adapted and it looks exotic and it looks warm and it looks old yeah whilst utilizing bits of you know space age technology i'm not sure about the big hangar full of Warriors in stasis. Oh, it's very, um, it's very Star Wars esque in the reveal of all the um, the clone stormtroopers. It's a very similar shot. They seem to be storing them like for for a very organic, Mm. very old, um, primal, primordial race. They're terribly ordered and utilitarian um, because they're they're stored in those glass pods and they're all standing in neat ranks. Yeah, in that great parade ground, like Cybermen would be, or like Santarans would be. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm. the, the scientist is male. There is some attempt here to differentiate these particular Silurians from the ones that we saw in the classic series, because um, they don't know that the other pockets of Silurian. Yeah, because this is survived. described as another tribe, isn't it? Because yeah. it says in the first part of this. Although, gi- although, given that the, the original Silurian tribe were only buried underneath the home counties and these are just buried underneath Wales, they really weren't that far away from each other. No. So here we have the um, the big dialogue between um, Ambrose, the boy's mother, with her trusty taser gun, um, and yes. Alaya, the, mm. the Silurian warrior they've captured. And yeah. this... Um, I mean, this, Ambrose just seems to be willfully stupid for the sake of plot. Yeah, and she's just she's just this hor- horribly sort of cliched. I'm doing this to, pre- to protect my. Yeah, she's. It doesn't not, seem very well thought through. Because... She doesn't even seem to be particularly scared or worried. She just seems to be slightly psychotic. Yeah, because they've taken her son and her husband. Mm. Um, the doctor explained that She's... they're going to try and um, exchange them. Yes, it seems you, you know counterproductive some... for her to go and absolutely. Kill yes. It makes no particular sense. Another something else that we need to talk about, of course, is the venom sting in the tongue. Yeah, which, which not, not not a feature of the original Silurians at no? all. No, no, that's strictly new series. And they've attacked. Um, well, in the, in the first episode, we see them attack Tony, the grandfather. Mm, yes, and uh, well, infected him with some sort of slow-acting venom that's yeah, which seems to be infecting. And, le- and when we see Silurians later on, like Madame Bastra, for example, yeah. she, she just seems to use it to stun people to knock them out. Yeah, and then she. Well, she's wielding a sword, isn't she, in, in that one? Yes, yes that's true. Um, uh, the Silurians in the um, classic series had a third eye in the centre of their forehead, um, and they had psychic powers, and they could use that oh. for telekinesis and for mm. things like that. And they could... they could. Uh, it was actually quite powerful. They could melt holes in walls with it, using psychic mm. abilities. So Which everyone's were... now just realised that she's just killed the Silurian warrior. Uh, you sl- they had killed captured. the Silurian warrior really, really easily as well. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, so just bonkers. tasered her. Mm. But she did taser her in what you would assume is where her heart is. Yes, if I suppose If she is a humanoid true. creature, mm. Amy wielding a gun. Yes. Well, smoke gun thing. But what I don't get is these are the guns that they use to gas... The Doctor and Nazreen, mm. you assume it doesn't work on them because they don't collapse. So Amy threatening them with the same gun surely isn't much of a threat. Uh, no. no. Because it's... if the gas worked on them, they wouldn't use it in a corridor, corridor where they were breathing to knock the others out well, without mm. them collapsing. I suppose you could use the argument that most of them had the masks on and perhaps the masks have some sort of breathing apparatus. But these two didn't. The Doctor and the, the Captain didn't. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> I'm just going to po- poke this plot hole now. It's only just occurred to me. Not especially well thought out. Uh, we're no, we're okay. back in the Temple of Peace. I mean, this this hallway is Cardiff's Temple of Peace, and the, on nice. the main university campus, which is uh, a stalwart of Doctor Who, mm. and 
of, of the Doctor Who universe as a whole first appeared in episode two of series one, uh, The End of the World. It was the the Manchester Suite, and it was the temple in uh, the fires of Vulcan. It's turned up a few times in Torchwood. It's turned up in the Sarah Jane Adventures as various art galleries. It's turned up in New Earth. Um, it was the council chamber at the end of Gridlock. Basically, it turns up about once a year in yeah. Doctor Who. It's, it's become one of the most recognisable um, filming locations. And they dress it up a little bit mm. differently each time. It did look particularly good as the temple in Fires of um, Fires of Pompeii, not Fires of Vulcan. Mm. So. And we've mentioned it before, but I've realised we haven't, given given that we live about 20 minutes walk away from it, we haven't actually spoken about the no. uh, the Temple of Peace particularly. Just, how is she using this computer screen that doesn't appear to be connected to anything but sitting in a plastic uh, box? Um, Omcom, <laughs> with the great Stephen Moffat tradition of having an alien, or yeah, the monster, communicate with oh, anything that's plugged in. Rory's standing up to say, I speak for the humans. <laughs> But oops, we just killed your sister. Yeah. Which is not exactly the plan. <laughs> it's interesting he says it in that order. Yeah. I wasn't just noticed that. That's, it doesn't say Amy, Doctor. That's definitely delivered from a writer's point of view, isn't it? Rather than from Rory's. what it should have been, to fit with Rory's character, it should have been Amy, hmm. Doctor. Oh. But... Uh... The Temple of Peace, It's to give it its full title, it's the Welsh Temple of Peace and Health. Um, it just rolls off the tongue, that doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Um, was opened on the 23rd of November, 1938, as a gift to the Welsh people. And was meant as a memorial to um, men of all nations who gave their lives in the Great War. In all fairness, her demanding give me back my family was only ever going to antagonise her hmm. when she finds out you've killed the sister. Also, that makes no sense. If she's the one that's annoyed them, you'd kill a member of her family, wouldn't you? Yes. You really would. Ah, now you see, he's male. So I don't oh, think that all true. of them are. So no, maybe it's just the military wing. That's it's the military seem to be predominantly female, and she's evidently trying to sort of hmm. do this slightly underhandedly, isn't she? They also they do seem to be the women seem to be more forceful and determined than the men. Hmm. So do, but, you, do you think? That that's actually some sort of form of backdoor sexism in that they're basically trying to foist all the problems of the Silurians on the women. Possibly. I'm sure or Olivia unin- would agree so. Unintentionally? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. But it, they are definitely now setting up her as the slightly misguided... Um, they've got the wrong view on the, the humans hmm. and that the elders, the el- you know, the male elders of the tribe have the correct idea yeah. but in all fairness they're doing the same in the human no that's true yeah. it's the mother who yeah. is seeing them it as a wasn't threat. for these women we'd all just get along shut up <laughs> Inter- um, interesting Temple of Peace fact it was bombed in July of 1968 by Welsh separatist terrorists who wanted to protest oh. against the um, coming investiture of Prince Charles as Prince of Wales oh. well they obviously failed there we go yes. well they succeeded it's in bombing there. it but yeah, only well separatist terrorists would bomb a place called the Temple of Peace. Yes. I think things are falling apart currently. Yes, you're going gradually green. Which might be another reference to the Green Death, actually, which is the classic Pertwee story, because if you touched one of the giant maggots... That's a nice shot, you sorry. Gradually went, uh, you gradually turned green and got pulsing green veins. And things oh, like which causes what's happening to him. Yeah.
What do, what do you think of this whole diplomacy thread? Because you know from the start that it's doomed to failure, really, don't yeah, you? Yeah, but also, on this, the gender consideration we were just making, he does put two women in charge of the negotiations. That's true. Yeah. Almost to make up for the, the other human mm. females screwing up by killing the Silurian. That's true. Yeah, you put the two. He does put these. You two put the in two charge. capable women in charge, and they are. Yeah, they are capable, yeah. and I would say more capable than the male mm. characters they've set up in the yeah. human side of things. In fact, the relationship within the Silurian society appears to mirror, to some extent, the relationship within uh, within the TARDIS. In that, yes, you might have a man in overall charge. Um, but behind every good and, man and he, is a good and, woman and he's the older one and he's perhaps the voice of wisdom Yeah. but the proactive one trying to take charge mm. is the fiery young yeah. young woman I like the fact that he, the doctor is acting as mediator and he's not simply trying to but act mean, that, on the human's behalf that is that's he's a, clearly a, doing much better um, a position we see the Doctor in quite a bit, this idea that um, other races, other alien races, deserve just as much of a right to a yes. voice as the humans do. He's a great advocate for the human race, hmm. um, but he's also he does always try and help the alien race in whatever way he can. Uh, sometimes against their will and sometimes they don't like it and then he kills them all. But, um, <laughs> He'll always try and find a, police, a peaceful solution. Yeah. He will always fail for reasons of drama. Yes. But yes. That's what he will aim for. Do you know what? Talking about this, uh, uh, Ambrose, the, the mother, yeah. obviously the big thing is that um, she's the one that's messed all this up. Um, I'm actually not attached to her character so much that if the Silurians did kill her, I wouldn't be too bothered. No. She's been... Slightly, slightly borderline hysterical and slightly annoying. Yeah, so because I know the big thing is that far, the she's doctor... far less sympathetic than the father yeah. or the grandfather or any of the other characters. Because the, one of the big things of this episode is that the, the doctor doesn't let the Silurians kill her, but I'm not either bothered either way, really. No. no. See, we've lost that sense of urgency that the first episode had. Mm. Because it was holding back on the Silurians but yeah. we knew that they were coming and they were mm. gradually working their way up and, and you know, our human characters had to defend themselves mm. and barricade the church um, yeah, and things were getting gradually worse because the force field appeared over the yeah. village and then the light got blocked out and we knew that Amy had been taken and it's all building up gradually to a head. Yeah. Even though, as we said last week, I don't think it necessarily built that same sense of foreboding that something like, say, the Satan Pit managed. Mm. Uh, it was still all heading in a particular yeah. direction. Now you've just got these three threads mm. running parallel, and two of those threads are sort of mirrored. So you've got yeah. one and... fairly broad thread with the dad and the son and Amy and mm. the doctor and the diplomacy. And, you're and then you've got to, the human characters left yeah. back in the... And they're about to join the us, and they're about to be the big reveal that they've killed the... Yeah, but it's not area. moving no. towards it... any particular goal or trying to avoid yeah, no. some oncoming disaster, even though yeah, we know that... It's all about to go wrong. It's all It has to go wrong. It's just sort of happening. <laughs> yeah. Things are happening to move the plot along, but... It's not as tight as it was. There's Tony, the uh, grandfather, looking a bit worse for wear. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that shot. That, yeah, the establishing shot with the glass is lovely. And again, I'm glad that we are spending quite so much time in the... Mm. Silurian camp because they've made it look really, really yeah. good. I, and they, we only see a few bits, and in terms of the the broader CGI shots, um, we only get a couple of bits and pieces. But the well, light, only... the lighting is nice and warm mm. and golden, and it's not what they've done the opposite of what you would expect from an underground city. Hello, isn't it? Yeah, well, you'd you'd think an underground 
city of tunnels and things that have been locked away since the Stone Age would be quite dark and cold mm. and forbidding. But instead, as I've said, it's warm and it's yeah. quite open and it's quite bright and it feels quite rich and opulent. And again here we, we had a sort of very small montage mm. um, with narration over the top telling us about mm. the diplomacy that's going on yeah. and the discussions. And it felt, it feels like a, a fairly lazy shortcut. Instead of actually um, writing mm. some quite hard-hitting and compelling dialogue with arguments mm. back and forth. See, more of what we're watching now, I'm talking over, but... Mm. The dis- the discussion between the Silurian elder or whatever he is, um, and Nazarene and, and Amy. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, someone like someone like Joss Whedon, or mm. particularly someone like Aaron Sorkin, yeah. would have turned this into a into a really quite yeah. High pitched, quite dramatic scene, just by having dialogue, just by having, a conversation, just by having yeah. demands made by both sides, yeah, and negotiation, and you know, compromise, and who's going to give way first. And instead, mm. we've got this lovely, mm. you know, talk about oh, we'll look at the earth and can't we go mm. share it? But you, know, you actually, they've actually faded out the dialogue, and they've had this bit yeah. of you know, fairly lazy. Yeah. Oh, the guns do See, do things other they than They do actually gas. do something, so it was actually worth... Yeah. We take we take it all back, Amy. Yes. You were right. We were oh, right. here's the big reveal of it's all about to go wrong. Yeah. Because we killed your sister. But it's already going wrong anyway, because the other sister... What's it? Re, re, whatever her name was. The, the, the mm. Silurian chief soldier is already leading a revolt anyway, isn't she? Yes, yes, she is. What's her name? Restak. Restak. Also played by Neve McIntosh. Oh, she's, she just, she, she just plays, only... she plays every single Silurian warrior. Yes. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's maybe they are all cloned. I don't know. No, it's by one of all females. Hmm. Yep, blame her. I mean, that's one thing. At least she does actually own up to doing it. Yes. She doesn't just keep quiet and wait for somebody else to drop her in it. I think it's quite. They would, they would, the human characters would be quite justified in just handing her over at this point and saying, "Yeah, well, they, that's fine." You know, she, they somewhat she, are. They've all she, she moved away from her. Yep. Yeah. Frankly, a bit of a twit. Yeah. Been all fairness. It is already going wrong anyway, because, like I said, that. Yeah. I'm impressed by the sheer number of Silurian warriors that they got on screen. Yeah. At any one time, I assume that they've just duplicated the same group of extras, yeah, you know, digitally into the scene and composited them. But. Uh... Yeah, it really but, is but the it... same woman, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the same actress. Oh. Slightly different makeup. Yeah, she's, she's got the she's reds. Got, she's got orange bits. Yeah, orangey bits, but and she's got the scar across her eye. Mm. Those black steps that they've put in on the sides there, no, they're they're not part of the normal no. hall in the Temple of Peace at all. Um, but I think they've reused those from Gridlock because when you get to the end, and there's the council chamber, um, and you have all these these bodies and these skeletons sitting on what look like grandstand seats. I think they they might have been reused from that. What was the big reveal then? We just talked. Uh, she, she's the yeah, um, the mother's making demands of the Sumerians. What was the stopwatch about? Oh, if, oh, if was... the um, sonic screwdriver could do that, why didn't he do it before? The sonic screwdriver can do that to weaponry. Why doesn't he do it every week? 
Although actually, he wouldn't have done it before because he was trying to say, "We come in peace. We want to actually discuss it," and then they gassed him, didn't they? So yeah, that's true. Uh, I... Continuity. Oh yes. Oh One yeah. One shot. He's holding it up. The other shot. He's holding it Forwards, towards. Yeah. Oh, that's Very quite. That's quite a lot of incontinuity there. Oh dear. Mm, that's a really good point. I haven't noticed. Yeah, that no, the I haven't until then as well. It's because it keeps. It's worse because it keeps cutting back. They must have mm. known that when they produced it. When this went to post production, they already knew that. Yeah. Because it's it's very obvious that. I really do think the sonic screwdriver is overused in the movie. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I don't know what it was used in originally, but yeah, it's used a lot. Well, they wrote it out of the classic series in the end. They had it destroyed simply because they decided it was getting the Doctor mm. out of uh, out of too many scrapes. Backward, don't we? Try it in the way. Not choose your way. They weren't just going to slope off and leave you to it, were they? We haven't spoken about uh, the director of these two episodes, a chap called Ashley Way. You can say what you want about the story. I do think they're quite well directed, I mean, as, as we've already hinted at, I mean, particularly these scenes mm. um, in the underground city and last week's cutting between yeah. the night time scenes and daylight scenes in the village. Uh, it all looked quite effective. Um, but he's um, he's really is a, a BBC stalwart. Yeah, I mean, because he's done both he's, he's from, Torchwood and Sarah Jane. Yeah, he's from Cardiff Born originally, so he's, he's, a, he's a he's Cardiff local boy done good. But he's done uh, quite a few episodes of Casualty, which of course is now based yeah. in Cardiff, um, in the Rothlock Studios, next door to Doctor Who. He did the Tardisodes as well. Yes, the Tardisodes from way back in Series 2. The little yeah, online, 2006. The little online shorts. And he did one of the interactive episodes in 2005 as well. Is it, uh, the, the one with the Grask, Attack the little the video. Grask, yeah, Attack yeah. of the Grask, the video game that they did. Uh, and obviously did this one, and then... Yeah, the... Um, Belonging, of course, the BBC Wales drama, which uh, yeah. gave Eve Miles her big start. Mm. And then several episodes that. of Talks with several episodes of Sarah Jane Adventures. Yep. And Crash as well, which was the medical drama which was filmed in Cardiff. And I think that only ran to two or three series. Oh, yeah, that didn't run very long. Mm. Did it? But that was deliberately set up by the BBC to test new writers mm. and new talent all over, I think, and to basically give them a leg up and give them a start. It was, it was designed to foster new drama talent. Mm. Uh, and he's done some Merlin as well. Has he? Yeah, a couple of episodes of Merlin. Mm. In 2010. So he's really done the whole gamut of uh, mm. the BBC's the big BBC fiction one. and fantasy dramas, isn't he? See, this is the I can't remember if it, the, the granddad dies. No, I, I don't think he dies. I think he stays okay. underground with Mira Sial as sort of ambassador to the Silurians. Ah, oh, right, okay. Mm. But in a way that... Because I, I think the Silurians are the only ones who can keep him alive now that he's been stunned. Yeah, so in a way, at least Ambrose does lose somebody in recompense for killing the uh, Silurian. Although he got stung long before she... Yeah, but, she, she you know, it. in terms of the symmetry of losing. But I yes, thought yeah. they lost someone, human-wise, in some way. They th- are sort of drone-like, aren't they? Yes. I mean, continuing with the Grand Doctor Who monster tradition of having one monster who removes their helmet so you can see the prosthetic oh, face, and, then run and having everyone else... Yeah, to save on the budget, everyone else wears a mask. Yeah, because the Sontarans do it. Of course, the yeah. um, uh, the Sycorax did it way the back Jadun. in the Christmas Invasion. The Jadoon did it, and that makes perfect sense. You want to mm. feel that there are lots and lots of them. But fact, they're, they're spoiling us. We have one. we did have three without their masks on because we had the elder, that's true, the scientist, and, the scientist. and oh no, four because then we have 
Mind you, that that was the same woman. So oh, yeah, they're all they exactly, exactly the same actress. Painted her a little bit red when she did the one scene. Yeah. Um, but they do. We do have four separate Silurians mm. with without the masks on, don't we? And they are making up for it by featuring just a huge number of mm. foot soldiers um, in the, running around in the background. But they are. They're not on the same footing, are they? They're, they don't seem to have the intelligence or the. Well, they 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 are the foot soldiers, aren't mm, they? She's they the are just drone like. Mm. Yeah, there's not much sense of individuality at Almost all. Almost like you know, like sort of clone stormtrooper. Like the Sontarans, like the Cybermen. Like the yeah. like, mm. Now, do we we do leave Nazreen Mira Sayar's character? Yeah, she's, here, she decides we? to stay. So there's no reason why we couldn't have her back. Oh, absolutely not. She could come back with some more, you know, friendly Silurians. Mm. And I'd love to see an adventure oh, un- underground, a proper sort of journey to the centre of the Earth mm. type story set in yeah, leaving the city and heading into the equivalent of, yeah, I don't know, the countryside, mm. whatever the, the underground equivalent of countryside is, or, um, yeah, the frontier and into old tunnels with, with dinosaurs, why not? So, here we are. And this is where I feel the the story we falls just, down slightly because it does just the, the Silurian up. bit just stops. And stops you get in this. five minutes while we have this. The crack has returned. Mm. He doesn't like that idea, does he? Of everyone else knowing about him. No, no. So quite, when was quite this? Right too. This was last seen in the Angels two-parter, was yes. it? Yes. So the Doctor just on the theme yeah. of sticking your arm in things you, in places you shouldn't. Well, this is it. Yes, the, the crack is supposed to erase everything from time if its light simply falls on you. But how does he? How is he able to stick his arm well, in it? Well, quite because he's protected by a handkerchief. Is it because if it's a time thing? Is it because he's a time lord? I assume that's no, probably no. No, it's never explained because mm. in the other episodes he's supposed to avoid it grabbing him as well. Oh dear! So that never really fit, did it? No, no. It's simply uh, oh. simply about stories. I think. Oh, Rory, you fool! Rory dies again. So this is what we're at two now. This is his second death. The second death of Rory. But this is the real one. And here's the callback to the very beginning of the first part. I can't die because we saw our future selves Mm. wandering. She marries someone who just looks a bit like you. He's not you, but he'll do. (laughs) Oh, I like Rory. Dies very well. He does He's had the practice. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I don't understand is that the the crack seems to be reaching out for him in this yeah. scene. It's not just simply that he falls into its light. Mm. It, it no, does it seem does... to be actively Yeah, which is why he has to pull Amy away. You can pull Rory out of the way. That's fine. It hasn't taken him yet. Yeah. Better still cover him in a hanky. <laughs> Cover his feet it'll in a hanky and fine. put him away, he'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, see this feels like slightly false drama. You've got to have the big dramatic histrionic scene with them yeah. leaving Rory behind to be forgotten. It's completely undermined by the fact that the Doctor has just reached into the crack and it was fine. Mm, and yeah. they could have pulled Rory out of the way, but they didn't. They just mm-hmm. left him there. And of course, in a second or so, she forgets all about it, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Because the crack does what the crack is set up to have done. I do yeah. like... I, I, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan are very, very good. I mean, this scene yeah. is very... Because I, mean, I know some criticisms have been levelled against um, Amy as a companion. And I think a lot of that comes from the 
from, really from, the, from the confusion of, of her yeah. romantic inclinations towards the Doctor and Rory. Um, but I have also heard a few accusations that she's not the strongest actress that they've ever had. And while I think that's true, she can really, mm. she really can pull it out of the bag when she needs to. Now, she's not a weak actress by any no. stretch of the imagination. I think we'll probably find that the same argument's going to be made for the new actress at Jenna Louise Coleman because I think what the argument will be is that the girl themselves are quite she's quite young she's unknown she's mm. you know I mean when you follow someone like Catherine Tate who has a standing of her own yes mm. um, I think she just has something that's quite new and quite sort of young to it but I think that works yeah we could um, Catherine Tate, I suppose, came with an awful lot of personality preloaded, didn't yeah. she? And people knew what to expect. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Karen Gillan was very much a blank slate. Yeah. When she first arrived. So here we are. Ooh. Well, the CGI oh. of it blowing up is not quite as good as the CGI of it being there. No. no. <laughs> but I imagine that's harder to do. Yeah. Um. So here we are. Amy has now forgotten. All about it. Mm. As is everyone else. As everyone, it? Yeah. Except the Doctor. Because he's clever like that. Well, you assume that, yeah, these things can't... It has less than an effect on him as a time lord. Because know. of all the timey wimey Wibbly wobbliness. Parallel universe, etc., etc. Yeah. And he, he has a broader overview of time. Mm. Better. He's, he's more naturally attuned to keeping things in track that haven't happened. So, yeah, I mean, we we have had, obviously, the Silurians back in, almost in cameo roles in various episodes. Yeah, it was only a a cameo, really. But I would like to see another full-on Silurian story. With Mirathal. With Mirathal, that would be fantastic. Perhaps some disaster has has actually befallen Mm. the the Silurian city and, you know, beneath the earth, and they've got to, the Doctor's got to go down and help Mm. rescue them. Oh, so she is on her own. Yeah. Time has been rewritten. But there's still... There's still cracks. No, no pun intended. There's there's still something wrong. She's she's still thinking she saw someone else. Yes, yes, she's still remembering bits and pieces. And, of course, the engagement ring is still... Yeah, because the doctor picks it up, doesn't he? Because it's protected inside the tiles. And here we go, narration again. Narration. Who is narrating? It's the, it's the leader of the Slurians, the, the elder. Um, yes, Doctor, you really don't actually have to hold it up. We know what in front it's of the TARDIS for us to know what it is. But there's our first hint that it's actually mm. something terrible is going to happen to the Doctor and all the TARDIS. Ah, oh, here we have uh, um, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. And what's the story called? Vincent and, Vincent the, Doctor. and the Doctor. Now, this is one of my favourite in the entire series. So this is if a hard you... back to the storylines like we have... Um, we had Shakespeare and the Shakespeare Code. Oh, but this is infinitely had... better. Yeah, if you're going to do a celebrity historical, this is the way to do it. Who else have we done? Did we do Charles we... Dickens? We've had Charles Dickens, yeah. Uh, way back in series one, we've yeah. had... Who else we've had? Queen Victoria... Uh, yeah, all plenty. We've had Churchill. Mm. We've had, uh, we, of course, we've had Hitler since we did this one. Well, we didn't really have him, did we? We shoved <laughs> no, him in a cupboard and would, carried on regardless. He turned up. <laughs> <laughs> we, he turned up. They shoved him in a cupboard and then they carried on. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't do anything else with him. Maybe that was the answer. <laughs> That's what they should have done originally. But there we go. Yeah. No, I don't like that second episode as much. It's not as strong, is it? No. It's and it again, some... it, I think it loses the the sense of momentum and the, mm. the, the that taut structure that the first episode had. I think it has it has some nice scenes. I like that scene between Amy and the Doctor. Mm. I like the way that they carry off that scene. The scene between Rory and Amy, in hindsight, was probably quite good at the time. 
but you've got we have a few more of those scenes between Rory losing uh, Amy losing Rory. Yes, we've yeah. already had that in the episode we've well two episodes ago in Amy's Choice. We've already had exactly the same scene. Mm. That's um, true. And we have it again, don't we, with Rory? Oh, I've heard a couple of times. Um, it's it's interesting that you compared this two parter to the the Rebel Flash two parter from yeah. series six, um, because yeah, I think as we've we already discussed in last week's commentary, mm-hmm. they do occupy that occupy that same slot right in the middle of the series. Yeah, but at the end of what is effectively a fairly workmanlike, fairly traditional mm. story that doesn't move the plot on particularly in itself. No. It ends with a scene between the TARDIS crew that's just sort of parachuted in. Mm. So you've got Rory dying and being erased here. And at yeah. the end of the Rebel Flesh, you've got Amy revealed to be a gang of duplicate. So they do, I mean, they do do the same thing. They have this whole two-parter, which appears to be somewhat self-contained. Which simply leads up to... The huge story arc reveal. So we've yeah. gone back to... Yeah, a sort of five, ten minute chunk that yeah. feeds into the main overall plot. So, uh, so yeah, it, could, it could be argued that Doctor Who has established, hmm. you know, Stephen Moffat has established that as a, an ongoing format. Yeah. We'll have to see the, if he does it again for Series The Rebel seven. Flash and the Almost People, aren't they? It's the two. But it just, it, it, it's setting and visually it just it does remind me of the two. Hmm. You know, it does remind me of, of that two-parter. And of course they are on Earth, but they're not in Wales, are they? Somewhere else, I mean. mm, yeah, we're never quite told where they are in the, the Royal Flesh Two Part. No, and it's not—it's not even filmed in the same place. I don't think either. No, but, uh, but there we are. So yeah. that's that's uh, our latest two uh, commentaries. Yeah, all wrapped up. Uh, if you've got any opinions on these two stories or on the, our commentaries themselves, um, mm. at home, you're at home, then do please get in touch. Send us an email or uh, like us on Facebook and leave a comment on the wall, or send us a tweet. We'd love yeah. to hear from you. Um, and we will be back with more Doctor Who commentaries very soon. Yeah. And how what have we got left of Series 5? Series 5, we've got... Let's have a look. We've got Vincent and the Doctor, the Lodger, uh, the Pandorica opens, and the Big Bang still to go. And we will get through them. Yes. So that's four more episodes. We will get there. Yeah. We'll we hope, will get hope, there Hopefully before, get them all before Series 7 before starts. Before Series 7. And you can find the rest of our commentaries on Series 5 and Series 6 on the website as well. Absolutely. With the exception of those last four episodes, which we will get to. Yeah, when they're coming. Right. So in the, in, until then, thank you very much indeed for listening. Yeah. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website impossiblepodcasts.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com Thanks for listening! <laughs>